Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. On this week's episode, we'll be covering chapters 48 and 49 of The Eye of the World, The Blight and The Dark One Stirs. Enjoy. All right, moving on to episode 23. Um, It's a little weird for us doing this episode because it's only been two days since we recorded our last episode. Now, we are still going to release on normal schedule, so it's going to be a while before everyone that's not listening to us live on Discord hears this episode. Um, So if you guys want to hear the episodes early, feel free to come listen on the Discord. Um, We're going to do it for free, I guess, until... Um, at some point, uh, we'll, we'll go back to the Patreon only uh, for live recordings. But for right now, it's we're, we're letting everyone listen. Uh, we've been doing that f- since COVID started. Um, but yeah, so come on, come on over to our Discord. It's free. Come listen to us. And speaking of Patreons, we actually have two new ones. Woo! So yeah, yeah. So during, recording last time, we had definitely not Odin. Uh, we call him Noden on our channel. Join mm-hmm. as a Patreon. And Skeeterish, who I think is listening live right now. So thank you both. Welcome to the club. For becoming new new patrons of ours. Um, it is much, much appreciated. Um, like I said, it's only been two days since last time recorded. So there's not a whole lot new in personal life. Um, but I do want to give a quick teaser for next week. So if you're listening to this not live, or live, so next week is going to be our last episode of Eye of the World. Um, and we do have a special guest host that has confirmed is going to come on and help us through that last bit. So I'm happy to finally announce that is going to be the Nablus himself. Nablus Ooh, from yes. YouTube. Yeah. So Nablus, okay. yeah. So Nablus, who did a great uh, video, actually. And you guys haven't watched this because you're not supposed to watch these things. But um, um <laughs> Uh, he did a video explaining the, fi- the, the the ending of Eye of the World. Um, did a pretty good job, like kind of walking through because it sometimes is a little confusing for first time readers. Two so, guys. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, something that's great. So as far as personal life goes, like I said, it's only been two days, so it's not much new with me. But anything new with you guys? All right, so I'll jump in. Um, so with with everything going on blah 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 and uh i i needed a kind of a mental break and i'm kind of in the perfect place to do that because i'm in a very rural area y'all have seen pictures i live i'm staying uh at my dad's uh, river house which is a little slice of heaven and i've been reading other books but then i actually dove into these two chapters right off the bat which normally i try and procrastinate just in case it's good and i'm not pressuring these guys to move on uh, but that's kind of how we got here, because like the very next day I read and Chris, let me tell you, not only was I excited to read this for me, but there are things that came up in these chapters that I wish I was sitting next to you watching you read it, because <laughs> I, I know I know for a fact there were there were parts of these two chapters that when you read, you probably started either screaming out loud or just being very animated because I was on your behalf. Let's just um, say they had cops parked at the back of my university because I go back there to read. <laughs> it's my happy place. 
So there are cops. Yeah. They're waiting for me today. <laughs> oh, there you go. They're like, what is this crazy guy exactly. doing? They don't see your earbuds. It's like he's talking to himself. Anyway, so, but it's so Wait, strange. That's I love this journey because there's parts, this is the second time it's happened where I've read a chapter and I'm like, oh, Chris is going to love this. Uh, but this is this is probably way bigger than 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 the others I've ran into in the past. But I was super excited to see if you've read it. And then also selfishly, uh, I'm I'm ready to move on to the other chapters. I wasn't sure if I wanted to record quickly tonight because I enjoyed these so much, or because I wanted to keep reading. But I answered my own question uh, because I, I was a little bit late logging on tonight uh for those of you that waited i apologize it's really my fault uh but i had a friend over who is a lady so a lady friend but not a lady friend like that but Mm. maybe and then uh, it's complicated Um, (laughs) but like we're having a really good time but i was like at at some point at like 8 30 i was like sue i didn't think you'd be here this long and i've got to start recording this thing in a little bit and you can sit there and listen but it's the end of the book. It might be boring for you. And so we talked about it a little bit. I told her about the book. She was like, so like, are you itching to record? Cause these chapters are so good or cause you want to keep reading. I was like, Oh no, I want to keep reading. I want to hear Chris tonight. <laughs> like, so I answered my own question. Like I'm thrilled to be doing this right now, just so I could keep reading and listen to Chris. I have a lot of thoughts on what yeah. you could be doing while we're doing this, but I won't go there. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> yeah. Not enough sangria uh, yet. There we go. (laughs) Nice. Um, I see enough eggplant emojis going through the chat right now, too. (laughs) I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) How about you, Chris? Uh, Well, before Chris, before you talk, so you listen to the books or read the books uh, at the CNU Park or the University Park? I actually go to the back of Christopher Newport University, our college, and um, mm-hmm. by the baseball field in front of the track. Because my happy place okay, is I, the throwing circle. So I sometimes go there during the day, too, to park in the parking lot to edit the episodes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, there's like five reports in right now. He's like, I haven't discovered the drop-off location, but I know it's here somewhere. They just... One guy comes in, one guy leaves. Always the same two cars. <laughs> it's really funny. That's how indoctrinated we are to love our university and to be productive there. I, there's not a place in the world that I'm more productive than right there on campus. So, yeah. And I know the cops, so I like, gave them the what's up nod. Is it the black cop or the white cop that's there when you're there? I, I did. It's one of the cars. I didn't check to see the officer. I just, yeah. I just, I just <laughs> the car. Yeah. I know both of them, so I go back there and just give them the nod, and then I park the car, and then they just sit there and watch me. Part of me wants to go like get in the car with them and be like, "Here, I want you to listen to this. I got one cop on board. Let's yeah. get another one on board." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Nice. So, yeah, anything else new with you, Chris? I'm in a much much better place today. I can say that for sure. Um, you know, I've just been seeing all the news and all the things that are going on in our area and seeing how productive people are being. And it's really nice to see people start to come together and, and work towards a, a cause. Um, we had some stupid stuff happening literally the night that we were recording last Tuesday and, you know, our, our town got put on a curfew. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's all good. But the, all the good positivity that came out and like our our um, university president came out and made some statements 
and he very quickly corrected himself and it's just like all on board with doing so much more and he's the man that I thought he was or at least I hope he is so yeah it's just really cool to see all the positivity that's really starting to come about and I hope it remains that way yeah yep agreed great so this I would say this week this time it's my turn to do country and state um and I'm gonna go with Denmark we don't have Denmark yet need some yeah um so anybody from Copenhagen, come on out. We'd love to have you as a listener. So every week we do a different country or state. Um, this this week I'm doing a country of Denmark as where we're looking for listeners. It's worked in the past. I don't know if it just happens if you'll find us, but if you know anybody that lives in Denmark, let them know about our podcast. We'd love to have them as listeners. So keep that going until we run out of out of uh, out of countries. Uh, we're almost out of states. I think we have one state left, but or we have plenty of countries. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, I think we've already asked for all, either asked or gotten all the Dakotas. Yeah. So it's, I think we have nine states that aren't listening to us. But we've asked for eight of the nine. So, I don't know. Anyway, so moving on to predictions from last time. Um, normally, I do the predictions when I do the editing, since I didn't get even time to finish editing last episode before I've done this one. I'm just doing it off memory. So, um, you guys might correct me and say, oh, we predicted this or that. Here, Actually, I'll give you a little different format. We predicted that, that All right. Rand is not from the two rivers, but is indeed a ailment. Okay. But yeah, we doubled down we on that for sure. definitely did. We also predicted that there could be a relationship between the wisdom and the water. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, one of the ones giggity, I giggity. Giggity, giggity. <laughs> um, we, What are the predictions that we make? Go ahead, give it a couple. I said, I said the Green Man is like the Children of the Force from Game of uh-huh. Thrones. That's one of the that Chris said. And then uh, Rand's going to play stones with Pat and Fane for the fate of the world rather than the Dark One. <laughs> um, I'm still holding on to that. And then Moraine was going to die at the end of the book. I think Ian said that as yeah. well. <laughs> wow. See, you got to be careful. If we're in the second or third chapter of the night of recording and I make a prediction, you got to know I'm some tequila deep at that point. So I, I could I could just be like being an asshole at, at that point. I don't know. That's yeah, probably yeah. the best things happen yeah. sometimes, though. True, true. Yeah. So anyway, so let's go ahead and move on to this chapter so chapter 48 the blight and we have a new icon so we're all the way towards the end of the book and we finally get a new icon so let's talk about this this icon i think it's pretty self-explanatory what the icon is yeah um, so i think this is the one and only time uh, of course i'm being confident so y'all are probably going to laugh at me like listening like haha he's way off but <laughs> it was really simple i looked at it it was a new tree that was kind of droopy and struggling with maybe a fruit on there and the title is the blight so i was like well this is a blight tree mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. my, i'm right on that my mind went to yeah. whopping willow <laughs> from harry potter yeah. i was like yeah it reminds me of the whopping willow we got the moon in the background and we know that the whopping willow is most active at the end of book three prison of azkaban when they all came from underneath the tree and our boy went werewolfish, and all of a sudden the tree acted like a fool. And anyway, 
my mind went Harry Potter. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so cool. having having read now, when I look at it, I still think that. But like, I'm trying to read into it, and it almost looks like the tree itself could be a hand with the branches, you know, with fingers and yeah, maybe could some be. grabby grab, some grabby grab yeah. grab, maybe a little snatchy latchy. <laughs> yeah. And and just just and just like when we did Faldara, um, the name the name of the chapter is the blight, which is not much to talk about because we've been talking about the blight for since I think the first chapter. <laughs> oh shit! No, I mean, uh, we might record this later and you can splice it in. But I was going to uh, figure out the Canadian national anthem and just sing it here, and that's going to be our oh. intro for this chapter. Go for it. Are oh, you going to do it later? Do it later, and you can splice it in. Okay, cool. We'll see. Okay, Canada. Oh, Canada. Friends to, to record <laughs> with me. Um, so, okay, so we'll go into how the the chapter actually starts. Um, it starts with all the marching north with a hundred lances. So, I guess Algamar, our Lord Algorithm, as we like to call him, um, <laughs> yeah. convinced them to at least take take you know some soldiers up to the border. No, not past the border, but at least escort them there. Um, and Rand sees this line of towers as far as the eye can see, um, you know, kind of spread out um, in the distance. And as they get closer, they, they realize that the hill uh, towers, each tower's on a hill, you know, and, um, and, and they have like mirrors on top um, and, and single mirrors. And also like, you know, uh, I guess, you know, I guess wood piles for a single fire if it's nighttime. Um, and this is basically, basically is the border. Um, it's not like a set wall. It's just a line of, of, of watchtowers. Um, and, and the towers are really, really um, uh, not, not manned, not fully manned right now. They're kind of skeleton crews because everyone else is heading towards Tarwin's Gap because about, there's about to be a big battle going down there. So this is where we start uh, with this little interchange between Inktar. Um, if you guys want to talk about some of the description, go for it. This is your time. Let's set a broad walled ramp spiraled around each stone shaft it- winding all the way around by the time it reached the heavy gate of um, halfway. Now, I was wondering, didn't we, like, have a dream where there was similar structures? Like, at the very beginning of the Maybe. book. Maybe. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and reread our, our dream yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was one of the dreamscapes where I felt like we had, like, these structures in a dream. Maybe yep. it was the second dream or the first dream. I can't quite remember. It sounds familiar to when he was thinking he was in Tarvalon and then remember he finally opened the door and it was yeah, yeah. or somebody or a Trolloc or something like that. that. Was, yeah, that was Tarvalon. And then there was one where he was... I'm not going to tell where he was. There, there, But I don't remember one where he had okay. these towers. So, but I might be... But my memory's not as great either, even though I've read yeah, either world you're a ton right. of times. I just was thinking that I was just like, man, we've seen heard so much about towers. I just want these to be some of yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so they have these towers everywhere and they get uh Inktar is is kind of, you know, um upset that he's not all fighting, you know, the battle. Um, you know, he's he's visibly upset about it, but you know, at the same time there's honor and escorting them. But he's like, you know, hey guys get out of here i'm not supposed to go any further i need to go ride to tarot's gap to join the rest of the crew hopefully i can see some battle and i think it's is it a Gwen or naive it's naive that asks him are you that eager to fight trollocs and i love Intar's answer back he says that is what i do that is who i am 
Oh. No, so that's that's perfect. So um, both points that you just made about him being slightly upset about his role right now and and then his line, you know, that is what I do, that is what I am. Those were the first two things I underlined when I went, went through the first time. Uh, but I, it may seem stupid or silly, but I feel like I need to correct the way you delivered that. You started with uh, Ingtar, and of course he's a little upset because of XYZ. But what first needs to come out when you speak about this guy is he is duty. Oh, yeah. He is a hundred percent like he's going to follow his instruction. There's no doubt about it. There's no temptation not to at this point. It might change in the future, but very duty bound and then very politely and in the most respectful way possible, he he airs out his grievances ever so slightly with the Aes Sedai and then moves on, but, but duty bound first. Yeah. He says, and, and then, and then is a little upset and it's, it's a small difference to say that first, but I think it's important. He says, pardon Aes Sedai to escort you here means we may not reach the gap before the fighting is done. I am robbed of the chance to stand with the rest. And at the same time, I am commanded not to ride one step beyond the border posts as if I had never before been in the blight and my lord algmar will not tell me why and then it was it's you know the the statement that is what i do that is why i am like that is like you said his purpose in life like that's what he was born for that's what yeah. he's raised to do he knows nothing else he's a soldier through and true so i appreciate yeah that. and that's why i combine that yeah, that's why I combine those two, because at first, like if if you wanted to, you could read him as like a little bit of a whiny character and may, or maybe speaking sarcastically. But that that um, dedication to duty, like he's definitely a character, very stoic. Uh, whoever plays this role and delivers these lines whenever they do it, it needs to not be in a whiny, complaining tone at all. Uh, otherwise, at least for me, it'll oh, but he did have a scorned mm-hmm. look when he looked at Rand and the others. So there's a little bit of I don't know if that was jealousy or just hurt in general. So there's going to mm-hmm. be a little bit of that. So yeah. I think he, he's not in a position to really understand their role. And if 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 we didn't know what we knew about them and they were going up there where, you know, like seasoned soldiers and a small group like that would probably get their ass handed to them like I understand mm-hmm. that that gaze that he gives yeah. them, but I still don't think it yeah. makes him a, a whiny type person. Again, I want to focus on the duty bound, very stoic type guy. Yeah. So after this, they leave Inktar and the hundred lances. They ride off towards Tarvin's Gap, and and um, this whole crew rides north into the blight, and the towers fade behind them. And then we kind of a flashback to them leaving Far Far, far Dara, which is up uh, Far Dara, which is. A little confusing. I guess your first time, first time I ever read it, I remember this was confusing because it's also they start talking about all the different, you know, columns leaving the city. Um, well, they didn't give like, us. He didn't give us his traditional gap between paragraphs to at least suggest right. there might be a transition. Like it, it, I figured it out, but it took me a second. Yeah. So, but they talk about you know different columns and which way they're heading, um, and but the, it, it finally leaves with uh, you know the most important column was their column. You know, heading towards uh, the heading high. north. Yeah, yeah. It really talks so, a lot to the people. Want- there were no cheers in the streets to speed them on their way. 
only their drums and their penances, or excuse me, penitence cracking in the wind, but their eyes look towards the rising sun with purpose. Like these people are battle hardened. Yes. Like, yeah. So more emphasis to what I said earlier. It's not just uh, Inktar, however you say his name, and, and the soldiers, if you will. It's all of the people, the women, the children, everything. This is their culture. Like, this is what yeah, they I mean, do. It was, and as much right. as you would expect everybody else to be in tears and crying and one last hug, it's, nope, time this to is, do business. The exodus had begun at the same time using the king's gate that led out on the way to Thalamarn. So, I mean, like you said, these people in general are just very used to this way of life. It's like, you know, they carry the children on their backs. Their faces were long, but it's like, all right, let's just get this shit done. And that's the end of it. Right. Well, so I also, I'll add now, instead of waiting till the end, uh, one note I had at the beginning, there was an episode a long time ago when they went from a town to a bigger town to a slightly bigger town. And I almost like, challenge jordan if you will when i was like there's no way he can keep doing these like new reveals to our characters and it continued to be like amazing to us as we read it like how often can you go uh but wait there's more you know and you go to a bigger city and it's more grand well now we're not going to this big city but even just like how he starts this chapter out and describing looking out at the different towers over the hills like this man i wish jordan was still alive because i would hug that dude <laughs> just book like it all the way through even as much as we've drawn this out because we're reading a couple chap chapters a week like he just keeps pulling me in it's it's fantastic so yeah so they they're riding north and Rand thinks nothing's changed like it just seems like okay it doesn't seem like Rand towards a blight just seems to be a forest but it it's getting hotter you know it's getting warmer and warmer and they realize it's not cold anymore they start taking off layers because it was freezing cold you know, they are north, but then, you know, it's, and then they realize it's this humid heat, uh, the sticky, sticky, like humid heat that's, uh, that's coming through. Um, and, and then Rand goes to look at the leaves on the trees. And when he goes to reach out, he realizes they're rotted. Um, when he goes to touch one and land immediately snaps it up, says, don't touch it. Um, Flowers can kill in the blight and leaves main. There's a little thing called a stick that likes to hide where the leaves are thickest, looking like its name, waiting for something to touch it. When something does, it bites, not poison. The juice begins to digest the sticks, pray for it. The only thing that can save you is to cut off the armor leg that was bitten. How about that? <laughs> there is yeah. a pretty scary place. <laughs> yeah. And that's just the beginning, so let's keep yeah. going. To the blight. We're just in the fringe. The real blight still lies ahead. There are things in the blight that hunt mm -hmm. by sound, and some may be wandering this far south. Like, literally, we're, we're not even in the blight. We're just touching the outskirts, and mm -hmm. already we have to worry about, like, all of these things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cliff notes, hey, Rand, don't do that. It can kill you. By the way, um, there's worse ahead of us. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> and, and as they keep on riding, the air starts to smell really bad, like rot. Like everything's like rotting. the sweet stench um, of decay smells heavy hard. and thick sickened him. When he tried breathing through his mouth, he almost gagged. The air tastes like a mouthful of spoiled meat. 
The horse's hooves made a soft squish as rotting, rotten, ripe things broke under them. Like we are literally in the bowels of the earth's stomach or something. Like it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if any of y'all live near a paper mill, but like the only thing I could possibly compare it to is burn pits or a paper mill in the middle of a hot, steamy, humid summer. Like it's just everywhere you, if you breathe through your nose, it's disgusting. If you breathe through your mouth to try and avoid it, you taste it. See, I, I've also traveled disgusting. to India yeah. and they burn all their garbage in the morning, like through the night into the morning. Mm -hmm. So you wake up and all you taste is charred garbage in the air. It's, it's rancid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some of the backwards area of Thailand, I used to live in Thailand, and some of the back, not the tourist areas, but some of the more off the beaten path areas of Thailand, same type of thing. You get these these smells that are just, you get used to it after a while, actually. Like, oh, yeah, you don't realize it anymore. But, um, <laughs> which, is, which is sad. But walking in, yeah, it definitely smells bad. So, but like I said, uh, our, our, like, uh, uh, but what I'll say was, uh, Matt pukes and Rand's trying to hold his stomach together. He looks around and everyone looks like they're ready to puke. Even Moraine has like a tight face, you know, trying to keep her eyes to die coolness and calm, but it's, it's pretty bad. And the only two people that are not affected by it are Lan <laughs> and Parent. Cause, cause Parent's being super wolfy yeah, right now. Like um, <laughs> degree, like I'm not a wolf too. Let me embrace this shit. 100%. Sure. <laughs> He's gone full on badass. He might still have his doubts when it comes to women and wishing Rand was there, but other than that, like he's walking with a ton of confidence. <laughs> and at this point, they see the distance, they see the mountains, Mount Doom, and Moraine suggests that they camp um, at a place. And um, you can tell Land's a little upset about it, but agrees it's probably the best place for them to camp. Uh, it doesn't give away what it is yet. Um, and, and at this point, kind of Egwene breaks in asking, uh, um, you know, you said, you know, you know where the eye is. Is, is it not in the same place or like ask more about it? Uh, and Loyal is the one who answers and said, you know, it, it does move. No two among the Ogier have found it in exactly the same place. I just imagine him talking. Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying so. your voice. Please continue. <laughs> that, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> That's how about now, baby? Yeah. Uh, so I'll back <laughs> just two paragraphs. We're not going to go full Chris, just mini Chris right here. Um, when Moraine suggests there is a place not far off, she gives. So this line is simple. She says it will be a good omen for us to camp there. So it's a nod to land, obviously, when we discover where they're going. But to say that it's a good omen for us to camp there means, like, as we read this chapter in the next, we we get the feeling from Lan that maybe he doesn't have much hope for him and his future as far as reliving that past, if that makes a sense, like, uh, or makes any mm -hmm. sense. Moraine, she, she bothered me at some points, but she oh. always seems to know a little bit of what's around the corner. So I, I read into it a little bit, I think. Um, so land says tomorrow will be in the real blight. Um, and they get to this, they get to the place uh, where they said there, and there's lakes everywhere and these, and these hills in the distance. And then when Rand kind of squints and looks closer, he realizes they're not hills, they're towers and they're broken and they're the seven towers. So we're, we're back to land's old, old home, um, his destroyed home. And, um, and Nynaeve asks, can we camp down by the lakes? And, 
Um, and Matt says, yeah, yeah, I'd love to go swim the lakes right now. Then something moves in the water. You got to really and take a, a look you know, at a giant tail comes a network of lakes, the water glittering darkly in the slanting sunlight, like beads of random size on a necklace of many strings. In the distance, circled by the lakes, stood jagged toppled hills, thick in the creeping shadows of evening. For one brief instant, the sun's rays caught the shattered tops, Rand's breath stilled, not hills, the broken remnants of the seven towers. He was not sure if anyone else had seen it. The sight was gone as quickly as it came. The warder was dismounting, his face as lacking in emotion as a stone. Like, the, the very, very, very scene just goes to show how much Land's been through in his life to where he is as hard as the stone that's yep. literally laying crumbled on the ground. And it also kind of shows, you know, his, you know, mm. the broken, the broken crown or whatever. Like he, he's definitely not what he was nor what he should be, I should say. And then you look at the lakes themselves sure. as Matt suggested that they stay there. He said, just then something rolled the water of the nearest lake as the huge body rolled beneath the surface. Length on man thick length sent ripples spreading, rolling on and on until at last a tail rose, waving a point like a wasp stinger for an instant in the twilight, at least five spans into the air. All along that length, fat tentacles writhed like monstrous worms, as many as centipedes' legs. It slid slowly beneath the surface and was gone only the fading ripples to say it had ever been like you can definitely see the monster and how smooth it just kind of came up and back in barely made a ripple. Like they would have been dead had they approached that lake five minutes sooner. At least that's my thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Large, large, giant, just huge beast, but graceful, and like that is his zone. You go dip your face in it's there, like Matt, me. and you will get devoured. Like, yeah. So, so Matt sees that and goes, "Yeah." On second thought, you know, this place is good. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just, we'll stay here. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so Chris, so you've you've gotten into um, well, you've made me put my floaties on before in many chapters, but as I'm reading this and get sucked into it, it's even at this point, there's not so much action. It's just all this description. And it made me think, like, there's times I've read other authors, and even there were chapters in this book where you could tell uh, maybe the author himself wasn't as excited writing those portions. They're like, well, I have to connect A to B to C so I could tell the story of C. But, like, in these chapters, I almost feel like I can see Jordan just getting writing this. Like, there's so much detail and just so much emotion, and there's so much just awesomeness in the writing alone, the words he chose and how he described it, like, I don't know. I, I, I think there's some where he was like, ah, shit, I'll just put this chapter in here so we can move on to these people later on. But this, well, I thought this was it was really intense. weird I loved he it. chose to put mm -hmm. such small chapters towards the end of the book. He really could have merged a few of these chapters into one large one and kind of hurried us through the chapter. But I think he purposely made each of these distinct chapters so that you focused on him drawing the pictures and drawing your mind into the scene. It's like he's setting us up for a bigger mm -hmm. discovery and kind of 
allowing us the opportunity oh, yeah. to see the dark so that we can parallel it with the light. <laughs> yeah. floaties, floaties. To be continued floaties. in the next chapter. <laughs> so, um, Moraine goes to set wards and um, she can't make a complete barrier. Like, she explains that to them that, like, you know, she has the ability to make something that will block anything from coming in, but then that would be just too much power and it'll draw things to them. And then when they wake up in the morning, they'll be surrounded by stuff and they won't be able to leave. So she has to use a different kind of trick that's a more subtle use of the power. So everyone just all of a sudden disappears. And, and, and Rand, Matt, and Perrin freak out because they turn back and everyone's gone. And here they are alone with just Lan and the Blight. And Lan just kind of looks at them as sheep herder and walks through and disappears as well. Um, so there's this invisible barrier that Moran's created and pretty much it, and she explains it's like a bending of the light trick where um, um, where anybody looking in would just see what's behind them um, kind of visibility cloak type thing but it's not a barrier anybody could walk right into them you but it, like uh, they can't see them chapter. a smile t- <laughs> nope well, then a let's smile touch let's go back, back. It's a simple back thing. like that shows her character very rarely do we get her smiling and then for her to kind of, you know, she's, I don't, I never really consider her condescending. It's just matter of fact, but this is kind of a, a slight condescension and taking a little bit of pride in her work. Cause normally she's so busy in her work that it's just get shit done and keep moving, get shit done and keep moving. And here she's kind of taunting them. Like, yeah, you guys have seen some things. You've been through some stuff now. You're developing in yourselves. But I'm still the, the head chick here. Yeah. See, I th- I think maybe there is part of her that is full of herself. Maybe not like condescending towards others, but she's had opportunity after opportunity to um, warn these kids ahead of time or tell them ahead of time what they might expect or what she's going to do. And time and time again, she doesn't, it's almost like she likes the shock and awe that they get. So she can, again, I don't know, show off her power. And like you said, with that line, ah, it's a simple thing. Like first let them get shocked and be like, Oh my gosh, what is going on? And her, for her to be like, Oh yeah, that's just a, it's just a small little trick idea. She that's even not puts even the Gwen down right you know? after not without <laughs> so, but, training child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then eight, hey, and then Perrin rolls his eyes because Perrin knows Egwene has has touched the uh, the one power by herself. So they get in, and Egwene says, "You know, Maureen says she could teach me uh, this as well, all you know, all that stuff." And Egwene's really excited because Nadeev might be coming to Tarvalon as well. It's a, and she turns to ask all of them, like, "You guys are coming too, right, Rand? Right, Matt? Right, Perrin? You guys are coming." And and they're all kind of hesitant about saying yes. Uh, but then she kind of singles out Rand and says, Rand, you can be my warder. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Rand says, says, I would like that. But then thinks about what men said, well, that you're not meant for her. She's not meant that, for you. Because I read that and I thought, okay, this is my affirmation. First he goes <laughs> lights, but a man could drown in those eyes and be happy doing it. That's Rand talking about looking into Egwene's eyes. Rand and Egwene really want to be with each other in a loving way. But now we have this idea of mm-hmm. him becoming the warder. And I like to be your warder, he said. She's not for you, not or nor are you for her. Like, 
not the way they want it to be. They want to be lovers, but maybe right. in actuality, <laughs> Rand is meant to be her warder. Okay. Right. And so this is where I was mixed up early on. Like, I just assumed that that relationship, that tie between Aes Sedai and Warder was also a romantic one. Like, they were bound to one another. Um, but we see some evidence, you know, as we move on, that that might not be so. But also here, like, men who, whatever her power is, like, there's a lot of truth to the things she sees if you can put the puzzle pieces together. And she's saying that. Like you said, not for you, not for her, not the way you want it. So maybe not that romantic thing, but it could still be a warder Aes Sedai relationship. But that also leaves open that those two can still have romantic relationships with others. So there's hmm. we have we have some work to do with our and we got four our, um, <laughs> predictions here. But I think the the, yeah. the the cool thing that we're realizing <laughs> is that you know men's power is again what is was is and is to come but the is to come can be changed i mean taviran in and of itself sure i mean yeah three taverans and well, they, three they of them. each will have the opportunity in my mind like they're saying the, the the pattern is weaving itself around them but who is it more strongly weaving itself around like is there a potential for one of them to overtake the other two like what type of character development are we going to get where are the minds of our heroes going to go? Like as they learn more about themselves and they learn more about different causes, like we haven't even dove into different sects of Aes Sedai. We haven't dove into what warders really are. We have no idea what the Wolf Brothers were really about. We're going to be introduced to a new title in the next chapter. And we know nothing about that. And then we've got Manethrin coming into play uh, multiple times. And we know nothing about the blood of the Manethrin. We don't know any of this crucial backstory. And all of this. Sure. Yeah, of course. We're getting bits and pieces pieces for the next freaking 13 books. And then finally, it'll make sense by book 14. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'll make all. Yes. So yeah, so moving moving on from this, so they try to get some sleep. Uh, Rand's not very successful at sleeping right away, and he kind of looks and realizes Nynaeve and Lan are talking off in the distance, and he starts eavesdropping. Probably shouldn't, but realizes that you know they're having this nice, pleasant talk with each other, um, almost flirting with almost. each other. Um, <laughs> almost, and, sure. almost flirting with each other, um, and and. and you know, but it, I feel I like think, this is the most action that Lan has got in decades. <laughs> Just yeah, this conversation. But, but you know, I think it's Nani's hinting at you know, like I, hinting at I'm not very strongly at even like marriage. And Lan's saying, "I have nothing to give," and he delivers one of my favorite lines from this chapter, which, um, um, which is, "I will hate the man uh, you choose because he is not me, but I'll love him if he makes you smile." Um, uh, yeah, he said, You are a remarkable because uh, pretty much was the as fierce as a warrior, you are a lioness wisdom. I want a woman like that. Uh, where is she at in this world? <laughs> yeah, so this was refreshing and also awesome. Like, I have to remind myself when this book was written, not that it was ages ago, but like, even still, when it was written, it, I feel like it's only like the last 10 years when it became less taboo 
for a woman to take the role that men traditionally did in initiating relationships, right? And right. making that first move, if you will. Like you used to have the Sadie Hawkins dances and it was like a joke where once a year where the, the girl will ask the guy sort of thing. But now it's like more commonplace. You didn't, you didn't see this as often even then. So again, yeah, if I can find me one of those. I'm not saying I'm, I'm done trying to impress women. You know, yeah. you still want to take care of the ones you love, but yeah, yeah to go to your of, favorite line, yeah, like having to make. That yeah, I mean, where did all of this build? Like, there, there's more backstory, and I don't know if maybe the books will, you know, talk about their interactions some more. Maybe there will be some more, like in book three, going back in time to review because her and Lan hook up and have a love child or something like. <laughs> So, I, mean, I, so, I think we get hints of it. Like, yeah. all right, there's so, so different things turn you on that might turn them on or might turn somebody else on. Like, um, I, for one, really enjoy shooting firearms, right? And I've mm-hmm. been to the range quite a bit. And uh, I don't want to over-stereotype because, trust me, I know females out there that can shoot way better than me at much further distances uh, but in general, the ranges I go to are dominated by men. And occasionally, if there's a woman out there, they're teaching their significant other or daughter or something, and they're like, okay. But I've been to a range before where I'm dorking around, and then this girl comes out that even from a physical perspective, uh, she's not drop-dead gorgeous, but she goes out there and is plunking a target at a 1,000 meters out with little to no effort. And let me tell you something, um, our below 18 crew listening, cover your ears, uh, owner city, like, (laughs) and, and if you look at the little back and forth and you even picked up on it with some of their back and forth about her trying to keep her horse hid and yet land finds it and she's like, Ooh, he's good. And then his laments to her about, you know, her ability to track them. It's like, they're giving nods to each other about the things that yeah, are sure. a turn on to them. So we got to, and, and that's why we I'm made sure our there's more that, that happened along have. the way. Like more conversations, predictions that have definitely. So what I was saying too, is, you know, most of the book has been from the perspective of Rand as well. So you're following this one character. Yeah. Characters still have their own agency off screen. So a lot of times in the book and these books, you'll find things that, it doesn't necessarily make sense because we didn't see it to ourselves, but it doesn't mean that all this time while we were somewhere else that something wasn't happening. That's what I'm like, saying. There might be a yeah. love child on the yeah. way. We just um, don't know so, about. <laughs> oh, Maybe there is. I don't know. <laughs> so, but, but Lance pretty much shutting Nadeev down at this point, saying that, like, I think you're a wonderful woman. I do have feelings for you, but I'm not the man for you. It's pretty much what Lance telling Nadeev and leaves her. And the chapter ends with with Rand turning away because he didn't want not even to see that see him see her cry. So see, I I I have to disagree with you there. So Nynaeve might have taken it as a total shutdown, but what what we know about Lan, like beyond stoic and beyond dedicated to duty, and he knows that his duty is. Uh, to to fight a war that cannot be won to I, I forget what the actual saying was that, that they said he has to defend something that can't be defended but whatever so he knows he's fighting a losing battle like his life isn't going to be pleasant so he can't give a pleasant life to someone else if he wanted to shut her down it would have just been uh 
no, stop talking to me because that's land. But he did it in the most complimentary way that someone like him could do. He pretty much said if he thought there was even a way possible, he would. Like, that's how I read it. At least. Like, everything right. I get from him, if he wanted to shut her down, it would have been very cold and like in three to four words. So the yeah, doors, the doors still open, Chris. I'm starting to lean toward I think more than the door. Why is that going to be it? We'll continue to move forward. Yeah, but hey, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we come to the end of this chapter now. So any thoughts from this chapter? I okay. think I was wrong. I think I was equally eager to talk about these chapters and read the next chapters. Yeah. These are fun chapters. All right, so chapter 49, The Dark One Stirs. And we have the same icon again. So I think we've already determined what the icon is from last chapter. Or no, actually, kind of, sort of. Not really, but some of the rotted leaves and things like that. But definitely this chapter you figured it out. Uh, but The Dark dark One Stirs is definitely a more ominous title. <laughs> it, but, it, I mean, it, it still doesn't answer. And even this chapter doesn't completely answer that chapter title. It is, is it The Dark One Stirs because they're in his territory or is it the the dark one stirs because um you know as we see more towards the end of this chapter and even uh some of the comment we get from the green man like oh we're at we're at this time oh like this is what's going on and there's some unique things about this turn of the wheel that even kind of raise an eyebrow from the green man so like oh it's shit's getting real like for real, for real, in the big picture, real. Yeah. Who knows? Question mark, not explanation mark. <laughs> yeah. I kind of had similar thoughts. I was like, you know, as the Taviran moved closer to the blight and then, of course, to the darkness, like, is there a feel? Like, you know, like, like magnets, opposites attract, like, is this like a feeling where things are getting stronger? And then, of course, he's stirring because he realizes they're so close. You know, there were so many things that went through my mind in that type of regard. So, Well, how about, how about this? So we're still thinking, or at least I have been up until this point, we have three heroes. Or at least one that might be a main hero and then two supporting heroes. Or some combination of them all being somewhat good guys. What if one of our three is the shitbag that actually turns the Basilmon and becomes the actual bad guy by the end of this series. I mean, we're still early into this. There is no way of knowing how this is going to end up. Like maybe Matt becomes the hero we thought Rand was supposed to be in the beginning. And then Rand actually becomes the douchebag that tries to break the wheel because he thinks that's the morally right thing to do. I don't know. I mean, we do find out an interesting title. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's get into this chapter. Yeah, we'll get, we'll, get, we'll get right in. So, yeah. So we start with dawn. Sun's coming up. Rand's waking up. He looks up. The sky's blue. He's kind of surprised the sky's blue, too. And it goes into this whole entire montage of him getting ready, settling his horse. And everybody else is kind of getting ready, too. But they're all in a hurry because they obviously want to keep moving on. And plus, they're, they're terrified of everything because they're near the blight. And things are getting weird. Um. And they start north towards the Mount Doom. I think it's kind of funny, by the way, that Rand's thought is all women are eyes to die. 
<laughs> oh, I, was a, I was about to ask you, Chris, if you were going to bring up that line, but I didn't want to throw you under the bus two episodes in a row. But you went ahead and dove in front of that bus anyways. <laughs> Last episode yeah. was not me. This episode, I will take full ownership. Women <laughs> definitely have a power over men. I don't care what you say. The guy might not even yeah. be getting any benefit. I'll tell you right now, because I know she's not listening. I have a work wife that I absolutely adore, and she knows it, and she uses that to her fullest advantage in every which way she can, except for the one way I would like for her to use it. Mm. And well, we shall continue. No. <laughs> my, my lady friend is also a work wife, uh, and somehow I don't cook for anything except for anyone except for family. And y'all have seen some of the dishes I've made, but she somehow managed to get me to cook for her many, many times. And there's no <laughs> real solid relationship there that might, you know, tempt me to do that. But she's got she's got some eyes to eye shit going on. I don't know what she's doing to me. This girl gets the UCI, <laughs> go out and get her medicine. I've made some. She wants food, I get it. She wants, you know, yeah. I have no idea where this power comes from, but she has it. Yeah. Yep, they do it. I've made some gourmet shit for this woman. <laughs> but it's been fun, so I'm not complaining. Meanwhile, I'm a married guy doing a podcast to single guys. And, <laughs> and your wife is definitely an eyes and eye. So the wheel weaves. That's the the wheel yep. So continuing on. Um so Egwene, um, as they're riding towards the mountain, Egwene kind of pipes up and says, you know, do you think we'll reach the eye today? And Moraine hopes, she says, I hope we do. Um, uh, there's, there's hope there. Um, and they start to notice that the trees look broken. Everything's still rotting. It's looking worse and worse. And I think it's Matt. Yeah, it's Matt who says, um, the trees look like they want to grab us. And uh, Moraine says back, he says, um, you know, they, some of them do, but she protects them. And right as soon as this kind of, it happens. All of a sudden, you see a tree kind of start to shimmer, or, or, or not shiver, but uh, kind of um, shiver. Shiver. Yeah, a little bit, and then it attacks something on the ground, like picks it up and kills it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like so, the tree actually grabs something. Or trembling. Yeah, the trees are trembling. I think is the word he uses. But yeah, so kind of a freaky scene here. It really is. I mean, she admits she goes. He's Matt says, "Look as if they want to grab us." Well, they do look it. And then she says, and some of them do want it. But they want no part of what I am, and my presence protects you. So there we go, Moraine being the beautiful woman that she is. <laughs> so, like, that, yeah. that again made me question, like, you know, what is she really that full of herself, or does she really believe that much? Because there's also that sentence before, like, when she made the statement of them reaching, she's like, um, the green man senses need, and there could be no greater need than ours. Our need is the hope of the world. So, yeah. you know, is it really that she has that much faith in her mission and in her, and in her cause that she feels this way, or is it self? So the, the first time I read this, so I, I like like I said, I think I remember I told you guys when I first read Eye of the World, I was in Australia. Um, and definitely not Odin is listening to us right now. He lives in Southern Australia. But in 
northeastern Australia um, towards um, uh, going up towards uh, Queensland, up towards Northern Territory. Um, there's a part of Australia called the Daintree Rainforest. Um, so it's actually a rainforest in Australia. It's up at the northern part. It's hot. Uh, lots of weird things there. And we were joking around when I was in Australia that like they're, everything's trying to kill you in Australia because um, they have like poison snakes and poison spiders and saltwater crocodiles and great white sharks. And, and the list goes on and on about all these things in Australia that can kill you. Um, and then we get to the Daintree Rainforest and we're walking around and a guy tells us that there's something called a wait a minute tree or wait a while tree. Um, that if you get too close to the tree, um, it will actually like a Venus flytrap, like a barb will, if you brush against it, will, will jut into you. And if you try to rip away, it'll rip out your flesh. But if you just wait a while, it will slowly retract and let you go. So when I first read this, so I was in Australia reading this scene, like, wait a second, these things actually, <laughs> this is real. <laughs> Re attacking you does happen somewhere in the world. Uh, it's in Australia. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so trees, trees are trying to kill them here. Um, but Moraine is protecting them. Um, and then all of a sudden land takes off. And See, no, let, stop. This is, why do I have to keep correcting you? Moraine thinks she's protecting them. Okay. Good point. Sure. 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 I said, I said, come on, dark friend. Catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Moraine thinks she's protecting them. Uh, Yay. The land, land takes off in a different direction. He hears something or sees something. Yeah. Roar and a roar. This direction yeah. the water had gone. It beat at the air and the trees quivered from it. And when it faded away, it seemed to echo still. Again, the roar came, filled with rage and death. Mm. Yeah, so they start moving faster, and the land comes back out with a bloody blade. He's holding it away from the horse himself because the blade's obviously it's steaming. There's something wrong with this blood, so he wipes it off the cloth, and the cloth actually just, just withers away when he drops it. So, like, like acid blood um, on whatever he just went and killed. So what makes the sword so special? Um, Can anybody answer that question? What makes land sword? Uh, or land, sword? Well, assuming it's land sword that could stab whatever this beast is and the sword itself not disintegrate, but I guess we'll find out more about that later, hopefully, by book five. Possibly. Uh, possibly. Well, well, in the last chapter, we were told about a sword a little bit, right? Like, wasn't it? Uh, it was shoot. like a blessed sword. I, I forget the exact. Yeah. Yeah. But what's mm -hmm. so so special about it? Is it like a special metal like we have in Game of Thrones? Or is it like magical like we have in Lord of the Rings? Like always something about these swords. Mm. Yeah. yeah I, um, I'm trying to remember if last episode we talked about it. We, we didn't We didn't bring we didn't it up. We didn't go deep into but the sword. It, 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 it wasn't okay. the last couple of chapters where maybe, yeah. maybe everybody in chat saying go back and reread the last chapter, Chris. That's what yeah. they're saying. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they did. Bring yeah, it up. I mean, like, yeah, it was brought up, but I will do that. Thank you. Blessed sword. Yeah, I won't yeah. say by Aes Sedai. So we've been introduced to one that the Aes Sedai created. Um, I think his comes from a different background, maybe even a faction that is anti I Sedai. Mm. And and hence all the raised eyebrows by Lan. 
was the first one yeah. to really be taken aback by it. But then by the whole Queen's Court, um, who they're all down with eyes to eye because they got one there telling them what to do. And they were all freaked the fuck out. Yeah. So, yes, blessed or cursed, if you will, I don't know, but by a significant faction that isn't quite down with the Aes Sedai. I don't know if you have room on your spreadsheet for all that. I, but. I, don't, I don't, but I'll just put blessed blade. <laughs> blessed blade. <laughs> he just wrote, Ian's full of shit, and then moved on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So yeah, so after he wipes his blade, uh, literally without any time at all, something large then jumps out uh, of the of the 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 forest or the the trees, and before Lang can even turn around and stab this thing, Matt already loosens an arrow, loosens an arrow, and takes this thing out. Um, and they kind of describe it, it had lots of teeth. Um, it was as big as a bear with multiple uh, clawed legs. They said Rand stared as they hurried past. Stiff-haired, long, like long bristles covered it, and it had too many legs, joining a body as big as a bear at odd angles. Some of them, at least, those coming out of its back, had to be useless for walking, but the finger-long claws at their ends tore the earth in its death agony. Mm-hmm. Good shot, shepherd herder. Sheep herder. That shepherd herder. yeah so uh, Uh, i like i like this very brief but cool um mention of matt and his reaction because this seems much less like the matt that was getting slowly taken over by the dagger and mm -hmm. that was that was the matt that is powered by um manethrin the blood of um what's that What's that A word? Amen. Amen. Blood of Amen. And remember, I said in the very beginning, the the blood of Amen is strong in this one, and I think this is an example of it—just a twitch reaction. And obviously, if if it was more an issue with the dagger, he'd have pulled the dagger out and tried so to defend it. Prediction: but... Matt is the heir of Manetherin. Oh yeah. Oh, hmm. and I'm I'm doubling down on that for sure. Okay. Or Amen, whichever cool. word's the correct one. Somebody in the chat will correct me. I'm sure. Yeah. However, we ought to phrase that. But anyways, yeah. I thought I thought that was cool to see that side of Matt is strong again. Sure. Yeah, and Moraine's surprised and actually says it should not have attacked with her being here. So this is back to what Ia was saying that that Moraine thought she could protect them, the <laughs> but um, apparently no. They're they're coming they're coming at well, it anyway. Really funny because she's um, like it should not have been willing to come close to one who touches the true source so i guess my thought or my question and this is never going to be answered or not answered currently touches the true power is it inferring that she's currently drawing on the true power to protect them or does it infer that she is because she's connected they should not come near because don't we have the assumption that others in the party are connected as well so if she's actively drawing on this power, then maybe the power is weakening um, as the the darkness mm. grows stronger. Or maybe they, or again, maybe they are driven that much more by the darkness because it is getting stronger. So, you know, I, I know it's kind of a play on words. It's more about the, uh, what's the word? Not lexicon, but it's about the way the words are formed. Um, that yeah. I'm really wondering that 
just that part touches the true source and true source are capitalized. So it's using a, an, a, a title for the, the power. So I'm just, all of this really gets to me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also, uh, and may, so maybe Moraine being surprised by this is one thing, but Lan shouldn't, not just because of his knowledge of the blight, but he's just, his attention to everything and recognizing threats. And we already saw, and, and we've heard about why they were drove, uh, why they were drove. I'm making <laughs> up words now. Um, why the, why the Trollocs were driven into, what is it, Shatter yeah. Logoth? Mm-hmm. And why they were, they were pushed and compelled to go in there and yada, yada, yada. We, we, and we heard just recently um, from our peddler as to why that was. So they already should be on guard for things kind of being over the top and for Mm -hmm. the dark one, the evil that exists in the blight, the dark friends, whomever to, to go a little bit further and test the boundaries and cross the boundaries or just straight up ignore them more so than they ever did in the past. So I don't know, shame on her for being caught off guard by that and not, and not warning others be like, Hey, if they were willing to do this before, there's no guarantee that what we trusted to be true in the past is true now. Like she could have warned people and had them on guard a little bit better. Yeah. And especially Lan, I guess that's my point. I'm surprised he didn't mention others to have your sword at the ready, essentially. Sure. At this point, they start running and Moraine tells them to hurry up and the blight starts attacking them in every direction. The trees are trying to grab them. They're, Attacking through the trees, there's different animals, or I don't call them animals, creatures that are jumping towards them. At this point, Rand cries out, Manethrin, and starts slashing. Matt immediately goes into shooting arrows and crying on the old tongue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, the, the, the Manethrin battle cry that we heard from Cut many, many times. And I, I have to say this <clears throat> Teeth Baird in a. Yes, Richard Snare. He sought the void and found it in the stony, stubborn soil of the two rivers. Manethrin, he screamed back at the trees. Heron and Mark still flash the strengthless sunlight. Manethrin, Manethrin. You know, I, I almost find it, I do find it funny that that's, those are the words he focused on. Um, and then you have the parallel of Matt, who is actually speaking in the old tongue. So it shows that maybe there's not as deep of a connection for Rand. Rand is more or less thinking about his home. And then of course he's finding the mm-hmm. words that come to his mind or Manethrin because he has learned enough history to know that, you know, this is something he could focus on. But then you have Matt who is truly True. of Manethrin. He is truly one of the, the, uh, he comes from that bloodline. So then he's speaking the words that he knows nothing about. <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna Good go point. with with yeah. you ian and you know the the powers the blood is strong in this one and not at all in the other <laughs> yeah and, and parents take the lead as well with his axe and he's cutting his cutting his way through you know like just cutting a path with his axe and moraine is shooting fireballs you know lands lands doing le- lenny things <laughs> 
um, you know, uh, running, running about, um, um, and every time land runs out, he comes back all injured and, and Moraine's healing him and he's running back out. And you have this idea that, that land's kind of just being a berserker, you know, just doesn't care about getting hurt because he knows his ice and I will heal him. So, you know, yeah. He goes beast mode until, like, he's like, all right, I need a little refresher. He gets up close to her. She goes, kapow, you're healed. And then he goes back and starts whacking him. And then yeah. big okay. worms come. Yeah. Yeah. And then Wait. all of a sudden, the creatures stop. I circled this, and I wanted I wanted to hear you read it, Chris, because your reading voice is fantastic. But can you go to the paragraph right after Matt? Says all the Karaya and Kalbzar crap. stood in his stirrups, silent and grim. He had taken the lead, and his axe hewed a path through forest and foul flesh alike, whichever came before him. Flailing trees and howling things shielded from their stocky axemen, shying as much from the fierce golden eyes as from the whistling axe. He forced his horse forward, Step by determined step. I actually highlighted that too because I love that energy. I'm like, that that needs to be in the episode. And he literally needs to be like oh man standing on the horse's back, like eyes glowing, and I imagine like hair growing out of nowhere, and he goes like full wolf form, but (laughs) yeah, and just whatever comes up in front of him, he's just chopping away and at like full gallop, and everybody's piling in behind him and following him like that. I love that. I went, when I circled that and I was like, Chris needs to read this. Yeah. So th- as we move forward to this next scene, you know, the creatures are attacking them, like I said. Uh, but, you know, I think Randy makes the point too with the creatures is that if they weren't attacking each other just as much as they're attacking them, they probably would have been overwhelmed. Um, but they're, they're actually attacking the trees and the creatures are all attacking each other too. But then you hear this cry. Um, come from behind and everything stops attacking and more cries come and land says worms and matt kind of thinks it's kind of funny he's like worms we're scared of worms now <laughs> and land corrects them really fast because you know one one worm would be enough to take out a fade uh we have a whole pack uh chasing us <laughs> you, you know how, you know how i pictured this when i read it go for it so it was Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, and Alan, me, you, Chris, a couple of our friends, we uh, were in line at Walmart, and they opened the door, and we go in there, and we're rushing for that discounted TV, and we're almost there. We're fighting the crowds, and it's crazy, and right before we get to it, everybody else just stops, and we're like, wait, what's going on? And then Chris turns to me and goes, it's a Karen, <laughs> and everybody's like, <gasps> No. Uh, I'll let our international listeners uh, do some meme googling on the Karens, but no, no, it's okay. That's that's perfect. That's perfect. That's staying yeah. in. Uh, sorry for anybody who's named Karen listens to us, but I apologize. There's there's but, memes. It's not my fault. I didn't come up with it. But it's sorry. Funny. Sorry. Normally, not sorry. Normally, uh, normally you get a word like this spelled with a Y. And it refers to like it refers to a dragon or a dragon-like creature without wings and and legs. So I was a little disappointed by the spelling of the worm, but it's okay. Sure. 
So it, it reminded me of a few things. So it reminded me of a couple of yeah, Beetlejuice is one. Also, also Tremors and then yes. Dune and, oh, and Dune. I seen Dune I oh yeah. Um, uh, if you read, I've i I've, I've I've seen one of the versions of Dune, one of the adapt adaptations adaptations, um, but the book explains them as well. So yeah, either one of those, Beetlejuice, Dune are. Are um, what was the last one? Tremors. Yeah, that's how I picture it. Like yeah, a for sand. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, a, a giant monster that's badass that destroys everything. Um, Len yells for them to ride, meaning pretty much run for your lives. And as they keep going, um, Len explains that uh, explains kind of what worms are. Like I said, with the whole thing with the fade. Um, and that, and they said, "What? Well, won't they chase us up the mountain?" They said, "No, worms are afraid of what lies in the up in the up in the passes." Therefore, yeah, yeah, there's worse. There's worse ahead. <laughs> well, why does he have to keep reminding me that there's worse yet that we've seen? Like, <laughs> right? Even I was thinking that at this point. So, well, well played by Jordan. The the OG climbed yeah. in at just the right time. Yeah, and Lynn actually says, you know, we're not going to make it and says, you know, I'm going to turn back and fight the worms. And um, Nynaeve cries no, but the Marine orders him, you're full stop. The, you know, the, there's no way you could take them. It's, it won't help us at all if you just sacrifice yourself. We need you at the eyes, so keep coming with us. Um, and Rand's going through a full-on panic attack at this Rand's point. Like. Bitch. He's trying to, yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna call it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but but Rand's trying to grab the void. He can't grab. He can't get it. And he's 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 actually thinking about just giving up, like giving up completely, just just turning back and. It says light. Yeah, what's if, up ahead? What can scare? What's behind? Light, help me! I've never been so afraid. I don't want to go any further. No further. Seeking the flame and the void. That's seeking the flame and the void. Mm-hmm. Ian, help me out. Now, did Tam ever mention the flame? It was Yeah, both. yeah, yeah. It was both. Okay, yeah. single a, a single, single flame. Within the void. A single Thank flame you. within the void. Viticulous speaking. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the flame and the void, he rallied at himself. Fool, you're frightened. Cowardly fool. You can't stay here and you can't go back. Are you going to leave Egwene to face it alone? The void eluded him, forming, then shivering into a thousand points of light, reforming and shattering again. Each point burned into his bone until he quivered with the pain and thought he must burst open. Light, help me. I can't go on. Light, help me. So he gets this feeling every time he taps into the power or to the true source, whichever word we're going to use. And then he becomes the catalyst mm-hmm. to open, I guess, or bring about the uh, the land of the green man. Like, this is the part that really, I couldn't yeah. quite grasp what happened. If that makes sense. It's like, uh, yeah. So this is back, this is back to Moraine being perhaps a little shady. Like, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but we we know Moraine has already been there, and so she shouldn't have been able to go again. And even the Green Man questions how was she able to do it. 
and she talks about our need or whatever, and it, there's no greater need. But really, did she did she use these these people to create that need? Did her and Lan have a sidebar conversation? Like, does Lan know that they were in that small party going into a situation where they would be faced with death? And did she gamble on the fact that either Egwene or Ran or whoever it is within this party, um, they get into such a desperate situation, like like the boom scenario with Ran. Like, he's about to die, and then boom, he gets saved. Like, he was able to touch the power. Uh, and Egwene and Nynaeve, they all had that opportunity. So all she really had to do was get close enough to where they could find the Green Man and force them, the party, into a situation where one of them would be desperate enough and then that need would well, force know, I, the meeting with the Green Man. I really feel like, like she was depending on Loyal to find the Green Man. I think this was true happenstance. And you know, the the idea of Tavirin yeah. kind of comes into play, but we really don't know what that means for everybody. So I, I, I'm going to defend her on this one because that's yeah. my chick, but yeah, she's been shady. I don't want to take anything for granted at this point. And everybody knows up until this point, you can't, you can't find him twice. As so far as we know, no one else ever has. And even did find him. Oh man, you were looking for loopholes because even the green man was surprised. And maybe he didn't show about it, but I'm assuming the green man has been around for many turns of the wheel by some of his speech here. And in all those turns of the wheel, it's never happened. He didn't relate this instance to anybody else ever doing it ever in the past, but she did. So that is significant. And knowing who Moraine is, she had a plan. There's no way she went there. If she thought all of these people were super important and they had to go meet the green man and they had to find the eye of the world. If she truly, if she didn't have a plan for her also being a part of that, she, she would have stayed back. She would have not gone with the party because her being there reduces the chances of them being able to find the green man. But she went, she led them. So she had a plan. She had a way to manipulate it. She, she there was something there, and the Ogier. and I. She was she had a stack hand that she, that she forced into a. She forced them into a situation where they were going to die. So yeah, so they definitely uh, everything changes all of a sudden. Uh, they're running, they're scared for their lives, and then all of a sudden, green grass, birds chirping, butterflies everywhere, um, and everyone is completely stunned. Like they come to a stop, like. What the hell just happened? Um, and, and they've reached the place. They've, they've reached the eye of the world, the green where the green man lives. And we get to meet the green man. And they come out and we get a description of him. This place. Very cool. It's always where it is. All that changes where those who need it are. I think this is really interesting, by the way. It leaves that, that whole idea of we're maybe we're looking at different uh, universes, or we're looking at parallel universes. We're, I, I can't wait for book fifteen when we finally figure out that the green place is the real place, and the whole world should look like that. But everybody's been 
shimmered into a horrible parallel universe where everything sucks. For you, it does describe the, the Green Man. So he's a man he's shaped much... as a much bigger than Loyal, as the ogre was bigger than Rand. A man shaped of woven vines and leaves, green and growing. His hair was grass, flowing to his shoulders. His eyes, huge hazelnuts, his fingernails, acorns. Green leaves made his tunic and trousers seamless bark, his boots. Butterflies swirled around him, lighting on his fingers, his shoulders, his face. Only one thing spoiled the verdant perfection. A deep fissure ran up his cheek and temple across the top of his head, and in that the vines were brown and withered. This reminds me so much of um, Moana. <laughs> oh yeah. So there's two things I thought of when I heard, when I first read this. One was the Jolly Green no, Giant. Giant. And um, also yeah. Ents. I think it's Ents from Lord of the Rings. That's what I thought of. That's what I thought of. But, yeah. but much, much more detailed, much more tied to nature than the Ents. Because Ents were really just tree. Just tree. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got, he's got all sorts of nature tied up in him. Yeah. And he has humanistic characteristics more than just a talking tr- Like where Ents were just trees. I mean, literally, they were just trees. He's more of a human that looks like a tree, like like humanistic features. Anyway, but yeah. yeah. So he turns, the Green Man turns and, and greets everyone. He first greets Loyal um, as little brother, and Loyal returns it calm tree brother. Uh, it says, we'll sing the, the tree songs together soon. Um, and he kind of scans around. And he sees Perrin, and he's surprised by Perrin. He says, "A wolf brother." He says, I, "I, you know, the old ways come again, or something like along those lines." Um, do the do the old times truly walk again? Then, yeah. yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying this is a check in their prediction block, but we talked about how Perrin is part of or tapping into something that a a power, a gift, a connection to nature, whatever it is that that predates or is separate from um you know how the male and female Aes Sedai mm-hmm. touch the one true power. So right. let me think of that at least. I don't know. It doesn't really confirm it or deny it, but definitely made me think of that again. And then he keeps on scanning he sees Rand and he calls oh, Rand yes. the child of the dragon. Like, okay, here we uh, go. Like what in the world? This is our new title, <laughs> Child of the Dragon. Like, have we heard of Aeomen being called Child of the Dragon? No. So are we all no. on our prediction? Or no. is this just no. like an ancient title for Aeom people? And then we do have a dragon in the book. We have the dragon coming up twice in the prologue. And then we have the dragon coming up with, you know, our, our false dragons. So, like, or is he mm-hmm. the, like, the descendant of the dragon? He's supposed to be the actual dragon. Like, is Rand the one that's going to tip the scales and, and cause the catalyst of the world? Like, so many thoughts flooded my mind when I read that. I got super excited. I read it five times. I'm like, ah, oh, this is like either confirmation or 
not confirmation. I don't know because this book is confusing me even more. We're literally only like 15 pages from being done. It's just so damn frustrating. And Jordan can give me a hug. <laughs> yeah. So, so that that whole paragraph is a mind fuck. So has the wheel turned so far? But I think the, the part that hit me the most was do the people of the dragon return to the first covenant? Capital C, first covenant. Well, the fuck's the first covenant? Are we talking about the male Aes Sedai prior to the taint and prior to whatever deal was made or attempt yeah, was made to whatever that caused the taint? It, but then it says, but you wear a sword that is neither now nor then. So even this person, the green man, is like, well, even when this was supposed to happen and it, Apparently he's surprised. He thought it would be much later, but it's now. Even when it's supposed to happen, this person, this the people, the dragon, they don't that's why rely on weapons. Apparently, like certainly not a sword. I to be like that's what. Hold on, one, two, three, four, five sentences in one small paragraph. And mm-hmm. Jordan got me all fucked up. A lot of possibilities here. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They, they, when things are when things are happening that makes a being like the green man like step back and be a little bit surprised and for him to ask questions, how am I as the reader supposed to know when the when the freaking green man don't even know? Yeah. Green man's looking at him like, oh man. I don't remember. This is, this is surprising. I'm caught <laughs> off guard. Well, so am I, green man. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. And, and Rand kind of reacts like I don't know what he's talking about. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he asked the Greenman to explain. The Greenman kind of thinks about it. I don't really know. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a bit foggy. Um, but and um he's surprised to see Moraine too, because he's like, Hey, wait, I've met you before. You shouldn't be here because you can only come once. And she immediately answers with need. Needs the key. We've come to see well, the eye of the world. Confusion about seeing her. It's just the she manipulated she there because he flat out called her. You, Moran Sedai, are more than yeah. a surprise. When this place was made, it was made so that none could find it twice. How have you come here? Now it says that they can't find it twice. Not that they can't visit it twice. She didn't find it. Rand did. Right. Man, that's a stretch. I still think there are there's some sort of manipulative okay. shenanigans there. Agree whether with you. she did manipulate, whether it. she she's doing it for good. place, I think she's expecting Loyal to be the one because she kept staring yeah. him and she brought him along. Like she knew he'd find the way through the ways. So I think she was hoping that he would be the one to find his his big brother. Yeah. If we'll call him that. And then Rand decided to be a little bitch boy mm-hmm. and wanted freedom and wanted to escape and he got his escape via the green man. There was the need. It was desperation. <laughs> so Fair wouldn't enough. it be funny? <laughs> so in the next chapter, they're going to be around a fire eating dinner and Rand's going to ask Moraine like, well, so what was, what was the need that actually got us <laughs> to see the green man? And Moraine just going to look at him and be like, well, it's because you were a little bitch and <laughs> poof, there we are. Yeah. So um 
Yeah, so so the 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 it finishes out with the agreement saying so if you guys are all here then if you know they do come again the the dark one memory remains whole, which is interesting. That memory remains whole. So clearly he definitely has having you know slips of the mind. He said the dark one stirs, I have feared at every turning of years. The blight strikes harder to come inside, and this turn, the struggle to keep it out has been greater than ever since the beginning. Come, I will take you. Yeah, so they said the dark one stirs, and the chapter ends with the agreement saying, uh, well, I'll take you to the eye. And that's the end of the chapter. (laughs) So can we go read now? Can we go read? Any final thoughts? Let's go read. You want to go read? I know you want to read. But before... (laughs) Before we get there, I got to give you the next chapter titles because you give me reactions to these chapter titles. So there's four chapters left. We're going to do a mega episode for the final chapter of four chapters in a row. Now, as you, people that have read it have know that some of these chapters are extremely short. But the chapter titles are Meetings at the, at the Eye, Against the Shadow, There is Neither, neither Beginning Nor End, and, oh, shit. The, and The Wheel Turns. Wow. So, meetings so at the eye. <laughs> there is a plurality to the word meetings. So, I don't know if we're going to get the history of the eye and the individuals that have come to the eye for answers. And then there's like this whole idea. Has anybody ever seen magicians? Like, this is kind of what it reminds me of. Like, in magicians, we have the same scenario being played over like 360 something times until it finally happens the right way. And maybe like somebody is continuously resetting the scenario to hopefully find the right scenario to end the dark one. Right. Going all the way back. Remember when they, Oh God, I can't remember what it was called now, but, um, yep, that's, that's, they kept going through the loop trying to find a way to stop the dark trying one. to find yep, a way to exactly what I was thinking and then against the shadow yep yep against the shadow kind of reflects that idea yep. of fighting the war against the shadow or the dark one and then there's neither beginning nor end you know I, again yeah. all of them kind of linked together in my mind it's the wheel turns that's the one that kind of confuses me like maybe We've come all the way to this point and stuff doesn't work right. So it's time to reset the world. But are you going back to the beginning of a, of a new age that's just the same pattern? Or is there enough victory by the dark one at the end of this to go into a truly new age that hasn't been experienced before? Maybe time wasn't completely broke, but just enough that, oh, that shit is job. awry. I don't know. You can have, I'll, put the floaty, I'll put the floaties on today. Crazy. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't have enough big words in my my vocabulary to make it super deep, but I can take you to like where we have to tippy toe. You could bob. You don't need floaties. You just gotta bob a little bit when I'm talking. So. Sure. So yeah, we got we got a big episode coming up. Um, now, as soon as we get done here, you guys can finish the book. Uh, but I will go ahead and sign us off before that. So. Um, how you can find us, you can find us at The Wheel Reads at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Twitter is usually where we are found the most. That's what I'm most active on um, for the, for this pr- purposes. I don't have a personal Twitter. I only have this. So 
Um, yeah, Twitter's Twitter's where where I hang out for for for, for the will reads. Um, uh, the will reads at gmail.com is our email address. You can always email us. Of course, we have our wonderful Discord channel with our wonderful listeners that are listening to us live. Discord's free. It doesn't cost anything. The links down below in the description. You can click on that and get a free invite into this wonderful community. Um, there's literally over a hundred people in our Discord server. We have stuff that's not real time time related. So even if you're a first time reader, it's a great place to be. Come join us. It's a lot of fun. Um, you won't be disappointed. Um, and of course, we have our Patreon. I mentioned that before. I plugged it pretty hard. Uh, <laughs> in the past, but uh, our Patreon is uh, out there for if you want to support us financially. Um, you know, we're always looking to upgrade equipment. We're looking to um, do giveaways, things of that nature. Um, and we've um, um, we've gotten we've made a lot of strides in our Patreon, and we have a lot of things coming up because of that. So the more more we can have that that, that give, the more we can give. That basically is the way that works. So. Um, also, I, I would be uh, uh, doing my job if I didn't um, also say to rate, review, um, recommend us to friends, any platform you listen to us on. Please, 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 uh, please rate and review. That helps us out so much in the algorithms um, to other people to find us um, and share us with anybody you know. And that's about all I have for this week. Uh, come next time, I'll be done with the book. And I don't know how to feel about that. So until next time. (laughs) Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.